0: howdy howdy there, kind friends and neighbors, to another session of OBW Talks, the podcast of Old Baptist Weekly, which airs every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock p.m. Central. And we welcome you to watch that broadcast and pray for it, and pray that it'll be a blessing to you. But right now, we really need your prayers as we embark upon a, a moment of reflection in our study. You'll notice there's three of us and not four. We're missing our dear brother, Joe. He's he's had a, a procedure and he's still recovering from that. And he's going to be okay, God willing. He's, he's fine. It's just he needs to recover his strength. And I think he'll be with us next week. So uh, if you would, keep him in your prayers and keep Sister Sandra in your prayers, too. Yes. And as we go through in the church that he serves, of course. So today we're going to take a step back and we're going to look at what have we learned so far in Galatians? Uh, what What is it that stands out to us from the study that probably didn't stand out so much before? And what is it that we think we've got from it that is a blessing for God's people today, that, that people can use today? And... Uh, to the glory of God and to the edification of others. So we're going to do that. We're going to have prayer. I think brother Jerry, who's going to pray first me, brother Jerry. No, I, I think, I think me, you, Oh yeah. man, I had the, I had it wrong all, all the way. Brother Mark will say the prayer and then I'm going to do the best I can to give a very, Well, I was going to say very brief. I can't say that. A brief. I don't even know if I can say brief. An overview. There you go. And we hope that the two, my two friends will say, you're gone a little (laughs) bit too long with the overview. (laughs) And then from that, we'll launch off into uh, the things that are on our minds. And, or as I like to say, mayhem will ensue. So stick around with us. Pray for us. As we've said a million times, we'll keep saying it a million times, if you get anything good from this, give God the glory. Anything that, that doesn't sit well with you, pray for us and cast a in on charity over us. Okay, Brother Mark, start us off with a word of prayer. All right. <clears throat>
1: our Heavenly Father, we're thankful to once again come together and study of thy word. Trust, Heavenly Father, that thy spirit will guide us, that our minds would be filled with thoughts from thy holy writ, that uh, what we do would be to thy praise, honor, and glory, that it would edify thy people, um, give us wisdom and understanding in our uh, walk through this uh, wonderful book of Galatians, continue to enlighten us and guide and direct us each, each step that we take. Heavenly Father, we do pray for our precious brother Joe, and his dear companion, Sister Sandra, and ask that you would strengthen them and restore Brother Joe's health fully. Um, that you would continue to watch over and care for him and uh and them together. Uh please forgive us of all of our many sins in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Uh when we think about what we've studied, we've gotten almost through the first three chapters, right, guys? Right, brethren. And uh we still have about oh, what about seven or eight more chapters, six, six verses to go. And that may take another two or three weeks for us to get through it as we've been going. We're going as slow as molasses, but we're trying to be careful and we're trying to to do what's right. But as it has become obvious to me <clears throat> Galatians is a, a, it's a whole complete argument. It's not several different arguments. It's one. And, and in for that one, he has different ways of supporting it and bringing it to, uh, to bear. He, he follows what appears to be a wonderful uh, form of rhetoric. He's writing in the form of an apologetic letter. But Galatians is the most personal of the letters that Paul wrote, at least as far as I can see. He says more about himself in Galatians than he says about himself in any of the others. And Paul didn't like to write about himself. And the only reason why he mentioned himself would be to make a point. And certainly not to show that he was above and beyond even the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He was a, a humble servant. But if you'll notice in the very first section of Galatians, in the first uh, five verses. There's a there's a, a statement that he makes that stands out because this is his introduction. And in Paul's introductions, uh, there are certain things you always find, but this is one thing we find in Galatians that we don't find in any of his other letters. And I think it's it speaks directly to the purpose of the letter. It says about he writes about Jesus Christ. He says in the fourth verse, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. This this is a theme of the letter. It is the death of Christ and what it accomplished. And what I'm finding out is that we need to make as much emphasis as we have on the eternal aspect of his death, on the timely aspects that he brought to bear. And And that's what we're learning is that Jesus Christ died he secured our eternal salvation, but He also made available blessings that were not hitherto available, and especially to people like us, Gentiles that are not Jews. We hadn't, we didn't even have access to the kingdom of God, but now we do, and now the blessings are there. So we have that to keep in mind. The first two chapters, I think, are are occasions for Him to respond to his antagonists. We call them the false teachers. We don't know how many there are. There may have been one or two or more, but these men came in after Paul. These were believers. They were Jews. They were believers of the gospel. They were members of the church of God, probably members of the church of Jerusalem. And they had come after Paul had left the Galatian area and said, basically like what we find in Acts 15:1, except these Gentiles... Are circumcised, they cannot be saved. And this is the problem that dogged Paul everywhere he went, because his, his responsibility, as we find in the first chapter, uh, when he talks about, <clears throat> about God separating him from his mother's womb and calling him by his grace, he said, He revealed his son to me, and for the purpose of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles and Paul was given a revelation. I I think the revelation that he got carries such weight upon what he writes about in Galatians. The revelation of God, the direct spiritual revelation that Jesus Christ gave to Paul, I think, on the road to Damascus. You know, he was born again on the road to Damascus, but more than that happened, and he was given a call to the ministry. He was given a uh, an unction of the Spirit to preach and to understand things that he had never before seen or understood. Uh, he he talks about the faith that he once destroyed, but the faith is now the thing that he loves, and the faith is, is an interesting concept. Paul develops it far more in far more detail in the third chapter, but the faith, at the very least, speaks to the gospel that he was given to preach, but it also speaks to that wonderful promise that God made that in that in Abraham and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. That's what the faith meant to Paul and what it should mean to us. So when he talks about what he talks about in the second chapter, he, he starts it off with another revelation that God revealed to him that he was to go to Jerusalem. And this happened coincidentally with those men who came and preached the false gospel uh, at the churches uh, that he served in Antioch and, and other places. This, this, this was a scene before uh, the time of the problem in Galatia. Jesus said, go, and I'm going to give you what to say when you get there. Here's who I want you to talk to. And he took a man named Titus with him. Titus was a Gentile convert, an uncircumcised Gentile. And he took Titus to that church in Jerusalem. And the amazing thing is it went far better than Paul, I think expected it to. And I know he had a he had a revelation, but I think you read, you you pick in his word, pick up from his wording that he was somewhat uh, concerned about the reception that he would get. But he found out from the pillar apostles Peter, James and John that they were totally in agreement with what Paul said happened to him and the mission that God had given him to do and they gave him the right hands of fellowship. I love that. The right hands of fellowship. We still talk about the right hands of fellowship. That was the formal statement of agreement that that Paul was called to be an apostle specifically to preach the the uh, the gospel of the circum of the uncircumcision just as Peter had been called to preach the gospel of the circumcision. We found through our studies that that's not two separate gospels. It's still the same Jesus. It's still the same work, the finished work of Jesus Christ. But what it emphasizes in the one that is to the uncircumcision is that here is what you have in, in the church of Jesus Christ that's yours as a result of the death of Christ. And part of that is freedom from the yoke of bondage. To the Jews, it was it, it. was the same gospel. It was the same message about Jesus Christ and him crucified and the finished work of Jesus Christ. But uh, Jews could still be Jews, and Gentiles uh, could uh, obey the Spirit and should walk in the Spirit and do the things of moral behavior that way by the, the rule of faith. But unfortunately, we find that culture and society overwhelmed some of the minds, uh, the minds of some of the men that were involved. And one of those men were Peter, believe it or not. Another was Barnabas, a man that was instrumental in preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. And you read about that in the second chapter. And Paul uses that as his launching pad into his great, great argument that he's going to make in the third chapter. And it's found in that 16th verse. And from there to the end of the second chapter, Paul puts his stake in the ground and says, this is what we believe. And then from the third chapter on, he proves it. But um, the, the two brethren, our, my two great friends, are going to talk about that more, I think, in the things that they have on their minds. for the, But let me just close my overview by saying this. Galatians, especially when seen in light of the real problem and the real and the answer that Paul had for that problem uh, must be seen, first of all, in its first century context. It was a real problem that happened to the, the There were Jewish believers that were insisting on Gentile conformance to the law. If you were a male Gentile, you must be circumcised. Male or female, you must keep the dietary laws, the, the laws of cleanliness and observe the days and holidays. And the new moons and all that—that that was that—that that was these people, these good people, these Jewish believers just couldn't let go of what they had been raised to believe. And that's believe you me—that's a very human thing. That's not a Jewish problem. That's not unique to the Jews. Right. I can see that happening to me. I can see that being a problem for Primitive Baptists. Some of us today, because mm-hmm. when we let Primitive Baptist culture maybe get the better of us, and we do things. Just because that's what we do instead of looking at thus saith the Lord. So that he ends that second chapter with the glorious statement. He says, "He says uh, the life I now live, it's a now living life. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That faith of the Son of God is a key component. And I think we'll talk about that more as we go through this review. But Jesus Christ, by his faithful obedience to God, not only accomplished our salvation, he freed up the blessings that were promised to us through Abraham. And he also modeled for us or exemplified for us what it meant to live a life of faith. But where would we be without the faithful work of Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. And he closes with this. He says, for if righteousness should come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Hmm. And it's almost like this. He doesn't write it, but it says, but Peter, we know he didn't die in vain, right? Christ didn't die in vain. So if he didn't die in vain, then grace reigns supreme. If grace reigns supreme, there cannot be the works of the law involved in any of this, right? That's, I think, some of what he says. And then we go into the third chapter, the deep waters of the third chapter. (laughs) And as I like to think about it, Paul starts off with the big what? The big what? What happened to you when I was, to you, Galatians, when I was last there with you? Something special happened. You read about it in that first chapter it was at the that Christ was crucified in their very midst in in their very eyes evident set forth among them it was a powerful display of the grace of god through the preaching of the gospel and that shouldn't surprise us at all i mean he may seem like he's writing about something that was only happening <laughs> then it doesn't happen now it's never happened Because what I can say in my own experience, there's been moments when I saw Christ crucified in front of my eyes as a man of God was preaching with the power of the spirit and something happened to me, not regeneration, but I felt a power that I couldn't explain otherwise. And then he asked these questions. How did this happen to you? Did it happen because of something you did or because of what God did? Obviously, it's what God did. And He He frames it in the phrase, the uh <clears throat> uh the, the works of the law or the hearing of faith. Mm-hmm. And that is speaking about the gospel that preaches the finished work of Jesus Christ. When we preach that gospel, God hallows it, He blesses it, and He powerfully uh raises our and heightens our senses to what he's done for us, is doing for us, and will yet do. It happens during that and not through what you do to bring glory to yourself. Mm. And God will not bring forth these things any other way. And and what happens? They had the Spirit. You know, that was promised. That was what God promised to us, Going starting with Abraham. You can read about it in Joel. And then you can read about it in, in, in things that Paul says when he says all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And that's why I'm going to close with, brethren, is this. There are all sorts of blessings. There, every single blessing you can think of as a blessing is in Christ. You can't get it outside of Christ. You can't, you can't work outside of Christ to get them. You must be in Christ. That speaks to position, if I understand anything. You must be in Christ. How do you get in Christ? You're chosen in Christ. For those that are in Christ, those are the people that Christ died for. He died for them to to pay the sin debt and secure for them their home in heaven. But what else happened? There's a lot of other blessings that we get that we don't necessarily talk about as we ought to. And I think that's what I'm getting from the study. We need a balanced approach. And if anything has been made obvious to me is that Galatians is eminently logical. And it makes sense if you catch on to the facts of what Paul is getting to. And that, in summary, is this. God did for us what we could not do for ourselves by sending Jesus Christ to suffer, bleed, and die for us. And by freeing us from that curse that we were under, we now have the Spirit. Not in that sense of regeneration, but in the sense of conversion, in the sense of blessing. Brethren, I could go on and on, but I'm going to stop there. Thank you. I'll, I'll hang up and take your responses offline. No, <laughs> oh, that's that's what you do on radio programs. <laughs> Sorry about that. <clears throat> Is that okay, brethren? A, uh, it wasn't a joke. It, was, it wasn't a, nearly in the league. Oh, good Lord. Don't even think like that. Don't say anything. <laughs> what?
2: <laughs> what? Oh, you know, Brother Mike, uh, the things that you said are, are so compelling and thought provoking because I know Brother Mark and myself both have uh, gleaned the same uh, as you have in this study. But the thing that captures me is the the passion and the fluidity of how it is that you move through all of that Uh this study that we have embarked upon in this this letter to the churches at Galatia has been so illuminating. Um, and it has it has definitely had a great impact upon upon me. Uh if nothing else, it has cemented in my mind, I think better than any ever before, the need to hold context. Mm-hmm with both hands and do not let it slip because we can teach biblical truth. We ought to, we have to, yes. but we can teach it from the wrong place in the Bible. Guilty, guilty, guilty. And the I only have one's not guilty that.
0: is brother Mark. He's never done that.
2: I have done that out I of never. to the churches at Galatia and God be my helper. Uh, I will do that no more. Absolutely, um, uh, we we certainly do miss Brother Joe, and and we I do. appreciate you. Nobody uh, can taking the like point Joe. and and really s- kind of giving us an overview. There are so many things that um, that are upon my mind and my heart relative to what we've studied so far. But one of the most important things, and you referred to it a number of times, is the the pr- the function and the presence of the Spirit relative to the uh, imparting and the receiving of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Jesus told the the woman uh, at, uh, of Samaria at the, at the well in John chapter 4 that God is a spirit, and it is imperative, it is absolutely mandatory that we worship God in spirit and in truth. And I, I wonder sometimes if we have maybe lost sight of what that really does mean. Um, we put a lot of value in, in different things in our church lives. Sometimes if we're not careful, we'll elevate preachers uh, beyond the station that God has set them in before us uh, as a great blessing to, to the church as their servants unto the church. But I wonder sometimes if we take our eye off of the the value of the presence of the Spirit of God. Uh, maybe sometimes, and as I say this, I'm I feel conviction in my own heart. Maybe I'm not praying for it like I should. Maybe I'm not looking for it as I should. Uh, maybe those times when I look around and I see other people being fed of the gospel, their countenance reflects that as the Spirit is blessing. The preaching and then the receiving. And I wondered what's going on (laughs) Uh, because I'm not experiencing that. Uh, Paul makes such a a tremendous point of the value, the importance, and the evidentiary nature of the presence of the Spirit while in the presence of the preaching of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Uh, In our study, We looked at Peter's uh, account in Acts chapter 10 with Cornelius, and and we see there that Peter uh, Peter went there as instructed by the Lord. But while he was there, something dramatic happened in his presence. And it was undeniable to him that God is not a respecter of persons. And that took place because the Spirit came down. Mm -hmm. The Spirit was present as Peter... Uh, did what he was commanded to do, and that was to uh, preach under the family of Cornelius. And and then I think you made mention of it uh, in Acts chapter 15 when when Paul and Barnabas went up to Jerusalem and uh, a number of things happened and, and all of that. We can read that at separate time, but the thing I'm after is that they preached in much power of the Spirit of God in the presence of the apostles up there in Jerusalem, and they had no alternative but to fellowship that gospel because of the presence of the Spirit. And the results of it was that they gave unto them the right hand of Christian fellowship. They fellowship the gospel that was preached because of the presence of the Spirit. Yeah. You know, we do something similar to <clears> that. I'd like to see us do it exactly as it was laid out in Acts. When we extend the right hand of Christian fellowship, it's not a social activity. Amen. It is a. It is an acknowledgement of the fellowship that we have in the gospel that should we be preached and delivered by the Spirit of God. And then, and and then, lastly, so Brother Mark, get ready. Uh, and uh, in in our study in Galatians, and I'm gonna just I'm gonna probably jump around as I try to to talk about a couple of things, but in in chapter three, verses one through three, Paul. He is beside himself. Yes, I would. He is beside himself, and he uses hard terms. Foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? I mean, to think of having something that was delivered unto you by the evidentiary presence of the Spirit, which bore witness of the evidence of Christ being crucified before them. You mentioned that in their very experience. How do you leave that, Brother Mark? how do you move away from that how is it that we how is it that we leave the person of the gospel <laughs> right and by leaving the gospel how do we do that when we have been blessed to feed upon mm. the gospel that has been been delivered and anointed by the spirit of god so true i'm not sure there's anything more serious that we do in stepping in error in our lives than to do that very thing, and Paul oh, was beside himself. He was in it. That's one of the biggest takeaways that I've had uh, in, in this study. There are others, but that one is is just profound. And God blesses us continually to be in the presence of the Spirit of God. We pray for it. We're in the presence of it, and it's become so commonplace. I'm afraid sometimes. That we don't understand the miracle that's taking place.
0: Amen. Mm. Brother Mark, man, he oh, just boy.
2: stops. I gotta stop. <laughs> or alone, uh, you're gonna. You, you're he's gonna right, Mark. He'll second. keep
0: going if you let him. He won't yeah, go. yeah. I don't.
1: Th- I think all three of us would be guilty of that. Well,
2: absolutely, we would. <clears throat> I don't do You different.
1: know, uh, along those lines, brother Jerry, Paul, Paul says to the church at Philippi in the first chapter, um, in the 27th verse that he said, you stand fast in one mind. Then he says, um, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Amen. Um, you know, that, that striving together, it, it it alludes to a work. Um, right. You know, oh, you could, you could even say it may be working together for the faith of the gospel. And you're so right that number one, without the spirit and without the truth, there, there's nothing to strive for. Um, if, if we walk away from the truth as it is in Christ Jesus, if we neglect the um unction of the spirit uh that he sends if if we walk away from all of that then i mean for just a lack of a better phrase we end up with nothing we have nothing right and yeah. the thought of walking away and the fact that by our sin nature we're all susceptible to that mm-hmm. we 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 that's why he's i believe he said we strive together he didn't say he'd strive alone, but strive together for the faith of the gospel. The apostle Paul understood by divine revelation and direct interference from the Lord Jesus Christ himself just how critical this was. Mm. Um and and assumption. I, I don't know if you said that, Brother Jerry, but you alluded to it at the very least. The assumption of um, of the gospel being preached, we can't fall prey to. Well, you know, I've I've arrived at church. I've prayed, so now the gospel will be preached. No, right. it, it is a, the preaching of the gospel is a work of faith. The hearing of the gospel is a work of faith, and it could very well be that. Uh, the the man that's preaching is indeed preaching the gospel, but the, there may be a failure uh, in our minds to hear. And so it's a striving together. And so we've talked about how Paul, um, you know, he was, um, I like what you said, he was beside himself. That's a great way to put it. He was just beside himself. What, I put it in Mark's world, Mark's words, what in the world happened you know that's what I would say. You know what's going on? You, you know I left and and you you were you were established and now I'm hearing these things and, and the, but Paul knew to a certain extent one thing that went on. I mean he talks about it in the second chapter. He really he really gets after Peter for Peter's mistake. But in in the very beginning, and I think i mentioned this before we, we went we went live in the sixth verse of the first chapter, it talks mm-hmm. about walking away from God, removing okay. ourselves from God. Uh, the, the phrase is him who called you, uh, into this grace, um, by Christ. And, um, well, I should, I should read it and not try to quote at it. Quoting at something is worse than not even mentioning it. I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. And then you get the first part of verse seven, which is not another, right? (laughs) Yeah. No matter how you label it and how you you put it, it's not another gospel. There is one gospel, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel that God gave of his son, and like Brother Mike said, all that he did for the salvation of every child of grace. And Paul says, I marvel that you are so soon removed. They took themselves out of that. You know, we could blame the, the false teachers that came in. We could blame Peter for what he did. We could, we could cast blame everywhere. But really, when it comes down to it, the blame's on me.
0: That's right. That's you right.
1: Know, it, because it's talking about a removal of self.
0: Uh, That's it.
1: It's not talking about somebody else removing. It's talking about you took yourselves away. You walked away. You turned around and made that step. And the realization of that impact, I can see why Paul is beside himself. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, the, the, our reaction, I trust would have been the same. Mm-hmm. Just, uh. <laughs> just uh, overwhelmed at the turning away from him that called you into that grace unto another gospel, which isn't even another gospel. Yep. There's nothing else. There's only one gospel. It's the truth as it is in Christ Jesus. You know, thinking about that, and and I'll say I'll give this as a personal, just a personal reference, and I'll I'll give way. Um, you know, no matter how long that we we try to preach, and for us that the, I mean we've been we've been going at it for a long time, right? And yet, still, every Sunday you get up and you pray and you wonder. It, i'll tell you one thing the preacher your preacher your pastor does not take it for granted i mean there is Easy, a be serious <laughs> there is a dreadful reliance on the spirit of god to bless that man to preach Amen. no matter if they've been ordained for a week a year 30 years 50 years whatever the case may be that 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 continuation goes that is never taken for granted that should be an encouragement to us as a congregation not to take for granted. Pray for the pastor. Pray for the preacher. Pray for yourselves that your minds would be open and that the God you would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached. Because continually hearing that, in my mind, really, really goes a long way with not removing ourselves Amen. from the grace that God placed us in. Um. Yeah, I, Paul was beside himself. I get it, Paul. I'm right, right. there with you. Right. Still, and that's and look, one more thing. Sorry. Yeah. That's the lesson for today. It is. Right. There you go. The Galatian letter was written to a real church with real problems to real people that the Apostle Paul was concerned about and praying for. Uh, Not for their souls to heaven, but praying that they would return to him that put them in that and that they would stop frustrating the race of God. But it wouldn't be preserved to this day if it weren't applicable to the problems that we sometimes face in our own churches or in our own lives in my life. Yes. And it's still applicable today. Don't discount it as a historical lesson only. It has application today.
2: Amen, Brother Mark. Okay, that now I'm stopped. So true. You know, I let me just say this. I know Brother Mike has a bunch of things that he'd like to say. and Of I want course I would. Out, uh, the points that you, you make um, relative to this, this piece, you know, and I'll use myself for example, just so um, people don't take offense. It's possible for me to be sitting in the pew and be removed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yes. We we sometimes look at this from the perspective of, "Hey, wait a minute, what's wrong? I'm still going. I'm going to church. I'm faithful. I go to church every Sunday. I'm faithful. I'm doing what the Lord would have me to do, and you should. That's what we ought to be doing." What What was the circumstance in? Uh, in Galatia. They weren't leaving the proximity. Right. They were adding something to the faith of Christ. They were adding something to the gospel. And as soon as you add something to the perfectness of the gospel, or you take something away from it, you have removed from it.
0: Yes, you have.
2: You have removed from it. So you talk about The pertinence of this uh, letter uh, to the church today, oh, it's highly relevant (laughs) because we are surrounded by distractions and things that, quite frankly, we tote around with us and we carry them with us to church. And we go to the motions and then we leave wondering, well, why wonder what the preacher wasn't blessed today. I mean, that is. That is real, real, real life stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And,
2: and Paul knew full well the, the fullness of the blessing that was theirs uh, through the anointing of the Spirit and, and their response to the gospel. That was visible to Paul. He saw it firsthand. And you know what else? They saw it and experienced it yeah. firsthand. And yet it wasn't enough in some way. It, I asked myself in studying this. Today, is is the church enough for me? Is it enough? Is the gospel enough?
1: Hmm.
2: Well, it sure is.
1: Amen. It ought to be.
2: <clears throat> it ought to be, Brother Mike. It ought to be. I, I appreciate that remark, Brother Mark, that it is, it is relevant today in, in a powerful way.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: I've always felt like you... You can't make a twenty-first century application, or the right twenty-first century application, the correct one, unless you've got the first-century application. Yeah, there you go.
2: That's great,
0: and that's that's not as easy as it sounds, right? No, because we have to use a little bit of our imaginations and uh, put ourselves in the mindset of uh, of one of those Galatians, and also we got to think about what's really. What's really getting after Paul? Why is this such a big thing? Why is it such a big problem? Why can't Gentiles be uh, observers of the law just like Jews? Well, <clears throat> if you understand his argument, it's it's this. It's very passionate. It's very personal. Jesus Christ came to free us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we'll read about that in chapter 5 and verse 1, that Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage, which is what the Galatians were in the process of. And brother Jerry on OBW a few weeks back, he his subject was entanglement. Boy, that was a good one too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, these are things uh, you wonder, and we've asked this, brother Jerry, brother Mark. How is it possible that God's believing people can? It rejoice in the doctrines of grace and i mean really grace grace and grace for something else it's obviously inferior right well there's a word that paul uses in the first verse of the third chapter yeah. who hath bewitched you it's uh, i forget the the greek word and the meaning for it. maybe one of you two can look it up but it 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 it's like uh, casting a spell. It, it, it denotes a level of skill on the part of the person who is bewitching you. They they're very good at what they do. They can use all sorts of uh, oratorical tricks, and they can use they can play on emotions. And these false teachers were playing on the fact that we are Jews. We know the law. We we we're God's people. We've been His people for thousands of years. It stands to reason that you'd want to become like us if you want to have what you claim that you want to have from what Paul preached to you. So Paul just didn't give you everything you needed to know. You need now we're 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 finishing up with what you really need to know. He didn't go far enough. And brethren, isn't that the biggest? problem that people have with the doctrine of grace, good people, God's people, yeah when you say it's all by grace, Jesus Christ did everything. There's nothing left to be done that to make salvation applicable. And haven't we heard this many times? It's just, I want to believe it, but it's just too good. It just sounds too, it can't be that easy. It can't be that it can't be like that. That's bewitchment. See, when people are, it's like someone has bewitched them to think that way. But I tell you what's stronger than the bewitchment and is that you need to be under the sound of gospel preaching, of right. sound gospel preaching. Uh, what we will find out in the chapters to come is basically more emphasis on uh, the liberty and the spirit and the power of the spirit in our lives. I think one of the things the Jewish teachers were, uh, were weighing upon them is that you Gentiles, you were pagans. What do you know about morality? You were, look at how you were living. But we've got the law, and the law came from God, and the, the law is eminently moral. And if you just follow the law, you'll be okay. Paul says, no, no, that, that's not that it's wrong. There's just that something's better now. There's something far better now than the law, it's the Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit, you're going to manifest the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit, those nine things, we'll talk about this in more detail later on, Jerry and Mark, they're already saying we weren't going to go into the chapters that we haven't gone into yet. Well, they've done this lots of times to me already, so just get over yourself, okay? <laughs> but the morality of the Spirit, would we would we not agree? The morality that the Spirit brings to the life of people who walk in it, is superior to any other kind of morality
2: mm-hmm. by far and away. There's yeah. no
0: law that can condemn you if you walk in the spirit, because you're going right. to be doing what's right, but for the right reasons. Yeah. And so we we have talked a lot about Paul's way of dealing with the uh, with Abraham.
2: Mm.
0: He talks about the covenant. He talks about the promise. The covenant. And then the faith that is to that is now been mani- made manifest. And we know that when he says that, he's not talking about personal faith. He's talking about something bigger than that. He's not talking about the gospel either. He's talking about the work of Jesus Christ. Right. And we have, we have come to see there is a twofold meaning to the faith of Christ. One is his faithful obedience to do the will of the Father. Mm-hmm. But it also is like this, and it's encapsulated by Paul when he said, I live by the faith of the Son of God. We have his faith. And I love how Jerry put it. It gives me confidence. It gives me courage. It gives me hope. Because it's not some uh, human-generated faith. It is the faith of Jesus Christ in me. And that gives me something worth rejoicing over and i'll just say this one last thing in the when paul says receive you the spirit or, or he that sendeth to you the spirit worketh miracles i think what he's saying there is this you cannot generate these things on your own you cannot make these things happen on your own but god is very merciful and if we come with that humble frame of mind trusting in him seeking his will seeking as Paul said about if while we seek to be justified by Christ, in that God it will bless us in ways that you can never get. I don't care how good the work it is you're doing. If you're doing work to get God to bless you, you're missing the point. Mm-hmm. The point is God blesses us purely by grace. Yeah. And that doesn't mean uh, we can just sit on the stool, do nothing, right, brother? It means right. it's a right. call to action. Yes. And I'm calling on you two to say something right now. (laughs) (laughs) We got 15 minutes, basically. Yeah,
2: yeah, we do. I I love the look on Brother Mark's face at the very mentioning of Abraham.
0: I like it. He's got both, he's got all three knees going on. It's
2: lit up. So you got to say something, Brother Mark.
0: (laughs) Well,
1: I got to. I better not. You You don't have to, but you should. You should. You know the the whole the whole connection between uh, Galatians and Romans that we've we've talked about we've we've all seen it especially if you look at the third read Galatians chapter three and read Romans chapter four and and how much it highlights how much it it complements same yes. writer different church different uh, different time. But the impact of faithful Abraham and what that Mm -hmm. means to us Mm -hmm. today is just so rich to know. I mean, just studying the life of Abraham is a rich study. Just seeing how God operated in Abraham's life, see how Abraham believed God, how Abraham was faithful to God. And then. It's just a wonderful study. But then when you translate that to us, the children of Abraham, if you will, and the children of faithful Abraham, if you will, it just has so much more of an impact to understand how God operates among his people today, that the faithful life that we live, and Brother Jerry, you're absolutely right. This is the faith of Christ imparted to us. That faithful life that we live. I mean, it's best summed up in a spot that makes no mention of Abraham. And that's the second chapter in the 22nd verse that brother or 20th verse that brother Mike quoted, right?
0: I love that verse.
1: I mean, that's a fantastic verse. And if you ever thought about it, it says, I think you quoted uh, the life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of of God who loved me." me gave Himself for me. I like how you say in verse 21, I do not frustrate the grace of God, Peter. You know, yeah. that word Peter's not in the Bible, right? <laughs> right. But there's an implied, based on the context of chapter 2, there's an implied Peter right there. Hello, mm-hmm. Peter, are you listening? But have you ever thought about how he is stating that living a life by the faith of Christ, who loved us and gave Himself for us, that also does not frustrate the grace of God. Amen. It amplifies the grace of yes, God. Yes, it does. Just like Abraham's life did. It didn't amplify Abraham's grace. It amplified the grace of God in Abraham. Mm-hmm. And the faith of Christ that's in us, It amplifies. it amplifies the grace of God in us. Not our grace, his grace and Amen. what he's done for us. And Easy. Paul says, this is how I live. This is my life now, Peter, the life I live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't frustrate the grace of God. Yep. He says, I, what I'm doing is not frustrating the grace of God. Peter, what you did you frustrated did. the grace of God. You set the grace of God aside the moment yes, did. you did what you did. And yes. these false teachers did what they did. And so he's saying, this is how. I live, and Paul himself said, I'm an example to you as long as I'm following Christ. Mm. You follow me if I'm following Christ, right? right? That's what Paul's saying. And doing that and being a faithful Abraham does not nor ever will frustrate the grace of God. It only makes it shine brighter. I give you five stars out of four. That is (laughs)
2: absolutely right. You know, I'm not sure that... I'm not sure that I can explain how I feel like I'd like to relative to this topic of the faith of Christ. There's been a very big learning for me in our study of the Galatian letter um, to, to come to the understanding that as brother Mike mentioned, um, I tried to allude to it as well. And I think brother Mark said it as well, that, that, we have the faith of Christ in us. It mm-hmm. is hearted unto us in measure.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: Paul mm-hmm. said in the Roman letter. Right. Um, that helps me in ways that, again, I'm not sure I can, I can explain. <laughs> Maybe I don't understand them like I like. But, you know, when, when I consider prior to this study, when I consider my walk of faith, I don't know that I ever really went beyond considering it from the perspective vantage point of it being my faith Hmm. and I'm defeated before I start (laughs) because I know me and the reality, my experience is, is that I have been weak in faith. I think if we're honest with each other ourselves, we all would say that. Sure. So if it's my faith, that I am going to employ and embark upon and lean upon in my walk before the Lord, um, it's going to be a, a uphill battle. It's going to be a roller coaster ride, and I don't believe that God's people should be on a spiritual roller coaster in right. their lives. Um, but understanding it's the faith of Christ given in measure, that faith never fails. It never has failed. It never will fail. And I can count on it. I can lean on it. I can trust in it. Now, I need to be faithful in the activation of that faith. And I believe that's what Hebrews 11 is talking about. Sure. The activation of that faith by which I please God. Right. <laughs> and Doesn't that yeah. make sense? Yes, the faith of Christ pleases God. Well, when I activate that in my life, God is pleased, and the blessings are immeasurable. I, I would, I hope that I have gleaned uh, enough that that I will grow in it and be able to hopefully teach it. How important it is to recognize what faith resides. You know, James says you know, show me your faith without works. I'll show you my faith by my works. I think sometimes we, we take that from the perspective of, okay, I will work my way into demonstrating my faith, right? I will labor diligently to demonstrate my faith. I don't believe that's what James is talking about there. Amen. Right. To the degree that I activate the faith of Christ in me, manifest Christ evidently in my life
1: mm-hmm.
2: before others and that is what letting our light so shine before men in the world is all about
0: amen amen
2: I, th- that the justification that comes by the faith of christ brother mike you mentioned it i mean we rejoice in the eternal application of that uh and we should <laughs> oh should we should. Right, um, but consider the the practical application of that. It to me, in my mind, it it's it, and I may be
0: foolish in it,
2: but it really feels like it's going to be easier to please God mm-hmm. if I will activate that faith.
0: Well, he, his faith pleased God. That's for sure. That's
2: right. <clears throat> he pleased time, his father every time,
0: and and God. God was pleased so much that He made of that sacrifice a propitiation, yes, that appeased His wrath. Yes, sir. right. And uh, let, let, let me—I know we're close. Let me hearken back to a verse that I think is so important. And it's that fourth verse, it talks about Jesus who gave Himself for our sins. That uh. that's going to be echoed in Galatians two twenty-two when He says, "I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave Himself." who loved me and gave himself for me, well, right. gave himself. This speaks to a voluntary act on his part. That's a faith act on his part. Mm. That That is putting himself in that position of Amen. giving up his life. He gave, he gave himself for a reason, for our sins. Mm. Now, that obviously speaks to eternal. Mm. But notice how Paul then says that he might deliver us from this present evil world. Yeah. I see in that more than just deliverance eternal. That that word means to rescue us. He rescued mm-hmm. us, right? Mm-hmm. From this present evil world. And the and you know, some of the blessings that we have in Christ are totally uh unconditional, right? And thank God they are. It's the ones that deal with our salvation to heaven that are unconditional. But there are also blessings in Christ that are conditional, contingent upon our believing the gospel, our taking up our cross and following him, our stepping out on faith. I I can't tell you how many times when I've done the few times that I have stepped out on faith that God has blessed me above what little effort I put into it. I think this is where we now see how this teaching is for us today, because we still live in this present evil world. Right. right? We live in it, but we're not of it. Christ has rescued us from us. We don't have to live as slaves to this age in which we live, this age of time. It's going to have its end anyway. Yes. But we can live right now as if we're in the age. That has no time, the ageless mm-hmm. age that's to come that's that's to me that's comforting. Yeah. I get lots of consolation from that, just knowing yeah. we are we are blessed and the blessing becomes more obvious when we do the things that Christ right. laid out for us to do, right? That's right. He's very merciful. Mm-hmm. We've Damn. got about five minutes. There's so much to be said, right? I mean, we I know. We always talk about the meat on the bones. I had every intention of just clarifying everything. <laughs> and all I showed was how much unclear. <laughs> things. But we love this letter. Yes. We love how the Lord blessed the apostle Paul to write what he wrote. I'm sorry for the problem that started it, but it is in many respects, the problem that yeah. has faced the church different disguises, different names, right, different modes of attack, but it all ends up the same way. Is it up to you or -hmm. did God do it? Mm -hmm. And that's in the nutshell what the problem is. When you start thinking that it's up to you to make God love you, that's a bad place to be. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ died for us for that purpose. Okay. Closing thoughts, brethren, anything I want to say? I know we've been talking. Basically, the whole thing's been closing thoughts, right? Yeah. Right,
1: it's been summary
2: thoughts. It's been summary thoughts too. Any any
0: thought that sticks out, I mean, anything of an application for God's people today. Thinking about Galatians, how how does it been? How does it matter? Why should it matter to me today? I know we've we've touched upon that, but I'll give you one last whack at it.
2: You know, I, I'll be so bold as to use the, the name of Abraham in a sentence and Mark's presence.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, he doesn't own the the, the well, right, say, I don't, right? I don't it, care I who look, he says. Listen, I don't care who Mark Rell is.
2: I, I I love the light that Brother Mark has, uh, and and the joy okay, okay,
0: the Lord's so blessing. All right, but I, I want to say
2: this: um, the promise that was made unto Abraham is yet beneficial for us today.
0: You better believe it. Yeah,
2: and it came by promise. From God. It was an agreement between God and Abraham.
1: That's right. Amen.
2: I mean, as much as I love Abraham and the the faithfulness of Abraham and uh, the things that he did in his life and the fact that he staggered not at the promise of God. It was by promise. That it came. Uh, The promise that was made to Abraham in Abraham's experience was fulfilled in his experience because he was faithful yeah that's right if Abraham had not have been faithful the promise that God made that is still applicable to us today it still would have been carried through
0: right, right.
2: blessings
0: amen great observation
2: the the illustration of the promise in Genesis uh, 15 just captivates my mind that the God of glory and in in a way just pulled back the clouds (laughs) and had Abraham look up and he says, tell the stars. That's not just to count the stars. (laughs) that, That is to tell the story. Of the stars,
0: if we don't get that, we're missing the big point. Right,
2: and brother Mike, it's we're still telling the story of the stars. We're still telling it because God promised. God promised, and we're still blessed to tell the story of the stars. Man, (laughs) it gives me chills.
1: I got them right now. I got goosebumps.
0: (laughs) It does me too. (laughs) (laughs) All right, brother Mark, take us home, brother. Take us home.
1: Well, I like what Paul said in Hebrews, wherein God willing more abundantly oh, to yeah. show unto the heirs of promise Hebrews and the ability right. of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. That that movement, how do I put this? That continued movement, Abraham-esque movement that still happens today. I love that, Brother Jerry. We're still telling the stars. Mm. And God's willingness, God was willing more abundantly to show, not just Abraham, you know, the verse before. And so it says, so after he patiently endured, he obtained the promise. That's when he, that's when he really started telling the stars. (laughs) That's so good. Oh my goodness. (laughs) But it just, it, it wasn't just Abraham, God's will. It says, God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of heirs. promise. That's us. It's I, us. That's us in our day. It'll be those tomorrow. It was yeah. them yesterday. It's not just Abraham. He's just the example. Mm. The truth is, and if we talked about it in chapter three, that seed is Christ. Mm. It is right? right? It's not mm. Isaac. It's Christ. Yep. And
2: that's, that's right.
1: what it's all about. And God is willing more abundantly to show that. And he shows it by the immutability of his counsel, and he confirmed true. it by an oath. Yeah. And after we patiently endure, Brother Jerry, there's nothing wrong to say, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Right. So that tells me that the application or activation of my faith, I, I please him. That's right. Not this flesh, but the faith of Christ in me. It pleases Him, and it pleases Him when we activate that faith, oh. and when we activate that faith in believing the gospel, that's pleasing to God.
2: Oh, it sure is.
1: God <laughs> loves seeing His children believe in His grace and what He's done for them. Amen. Don't <laughs> remove yourself from it.
0: Amen. No. Amen. No. Oh, no, because you're removing yourself from Him.
1: <clears throat> yeah. So you know what you do? You against hope. Believe in hope, right, Jerry?
0: Right.
2: That's exactly. <laughs> right. Oh, you got Jerry
0: wound up now. Now he's go- he's going to go for another thirty minutes.
1: Oh, I'm
2: done.
0: Nope, I'm done. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the thing about Abraham that I love is when he showed him the stars. That's God preaching to Abraham. Oh, yeah. I know. Isn't that yeah, good? he preached the gospel, and, and Paul says as much Paul in the earlier verses of the third chapter. Yep,
1: preached. He before preached
0: the gospel. the gospel to Abraham. The same. It's. The same, essentially, the same gospel we're preached today. Yep. The gospel says, "I've made a promise. Yep. I'm going to keep my promise. Amen. And I'm going to show show you that I'm a promise keeping God."
1: Oh man! Really. Oh
0: my! That's goodness. the gospel that gets you going, won't it? Yeah, yeah. it will. It sure. Yeah. Will. It does. That's why Paul said, "Even as Abraham, just like those, just like Abraham, yeah. so the Galatians." And the great thing is just like it is for us, the right. same way. Right. So Galatians, I think, it it, if you see it the way it needs to be seen, and I'm not saying we're, we've got it all figured out. Please don't take that. No. no. <laughs> but if you see it in that essential, wonderful way, what do you find out? Salvation is by grace, and to those who have been given grace, there's blessings. Some are conditional, some are unconditional. Mm-hmm. And and the gospel is God's way of conveying yes. this powerful way of yeah, God. Right. I love Galatians, Whew. but I love the Lord that the apostle Paul wrote so movingly about. Yes. Okay. Brother Jerry, I suppose this means you've got to close with prayer.
2: All right. I'm happy to do that. Let's pray. Our righteous and merciful Heavenly Father, Lord, how do we thank thee as, as we ought for the blessings that you bestow upon us daily in our lives, for this very privilege that we have of studying thy word together with these brethren whom we've grown to love so much. And Lord, we're we're so thankful that uh, you have uh, led us and, and continued to lead us in, in thy word. Father, we pray that you would uh, bless those that might uh, hear of this broadcast or any that has, has gone forward in this this study, Lord, that you would just uh, bless them with understanding that can only come from thee. Lord, we, we ask tonight that you bless our dear brother Joe, um, as has been mentioned before. Father, we love him so much, and we just pray that you bless him to recover from uh, this procedure and regain mm-hmm. his strength quickly. What well, we ask for him, Lord, we ask for all of thy people that are going through trying and difficult times in their life, the sick, the afflicted, and those that are sick in spirit, Father, just draw them to an endless unto thee that they would feel thy presence around about them. Forgive us of our sins, overlook our imperfections, Lord. We confess that they are many. Just lead us and guide us by your spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, let's say good night to all our friends and family. Good night, everybody. Thanks for night, everybody. In and watching us. God bless you.